edition of the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on the show today, I've got Adam Lewis-Walker, so welcome on to the show, Adam. Thank you. So can you give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Okay. So I'm a number one best-selling author, coach, speaker, and host of the top-ranked podcast on iTunes, Awaken Your Alpha. A um, little bit of background, quite weird to say this yourself, but I've been featured on ESPN. Cause I like that because it's a sporty thing, and we're going to talk about the background. Um, the Huffington Post, the TEDx stage. Uh, recently, I was in the Hollywood presenting at the Thought Leaders Summit, uh, all about making the most of your opportunities. So we're probably going to talk about that. Uh, so you can grab my TEDx talk on YouTube is a good place to go. Just put in Awaken Your Alpha, um, how to rise up. Um, yeah, that's really it for now. So I'm now based in northern Michigan in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness up by um, Lake Huron, on Lake Huron pretty much. And I'm coming to you live from the man cave. That's the the, the podcast logo that you'll see if you search on iTunes. So I know this is video for some of you. Um, and that is that originally from South London. A former teammate of the host with the mostest who's uh, introduced me there. Um, yes, yeah, so we've got lots to speak about. I'm going to talk to you all about awaken your alpha, the mindset of coming back when you have been uh, hit with adversity or an injury or whatever we decide we're going to talk about today. So, Adam, so talk about? to me about the first off, uh, about your best selling book. Okay, so The New Rules of Success. Um, was a co-authored book, so again, it's like almost like the um, the book version of the podcast, uh, but that came first. So that was kind of the origins, the ideas for my podcast. In terms of the, in that book, you know, it's people from all walks of life, um, a bit like the chicken soup for the soul type series. Um, so on paper, we've got nothing in common. So it could be a dentist, a teacher like myself at the time, um, you know, from England, Australia, America. Um, you could be like you know a 60 year old a 20 year old well I don't think anyone was 20 but um, yes yeah, so it's a complete mix of people and it's their really their take on s- success their secrets really um, and that's where there's a lot of similarities as I say on paper you'd think what has a dentist got in common with um, a teacher from South London um, and it was when I actually met these these people in person and having these sorts of conversations that I was like ah there are a lot of similarities and I'm very surprised actually at how I got on so well with lots of them because it is the mindset regardless of whether, you know, I was going to quote, uh, quote a song lyric then, black, white, Cuban, or Asian, or <laughs> regardless of their 50, 60 or whatever or 30, um, there's, you know, like minds attract each other and success leaves clues. So that's kind of the idea initially for the uh, podcast to kind of bring these sort of conversations and people from all over the world the world's alpha minds i should say um every week for sort of 30 minutes of fun fulfillment resources um and try and inspire you to live limitless and live your really your untapped potential so talk to me um how would you define success for you personally okay so personally i would say not sacrificing one area of your or the one of the core core areas of your life massively to achieve success in in another area. So I don't believe for me success is not you know being very financially wealthy, but being fat and out of shape, or being in great shape, 
and they're not having any finances. So to the level that it's, you know, it's really unhealthy um, or, you know, having great finances and being in great shape. And they're not seeing your family because you're always in the gym or always out working, making money. So I do believe, you know, a rising tide, you know, raises all boats. I think you can pursue the alpha or pursuit of greatness across all areas of your life at the same time or the key areas of life. Because, again, if you're not interested in uh, what I might say is a key area of life, then it's not your key area of life. So it's that's so it's really aspects of life that are important to you pursuing them concurrently okay. so obviously there's got to be a little bit of sacrifice for some things but i'm talking about key consistent sacrifice in terms of like you know oh i'll um i'll spend time with my family when i've made some more money or uh, i'll get the job i like when i've made some more money or i've spent loads of time with my family or or i'll pursue that career when i'm ready or when i've done this you know just stop making excuses for yourself and crack on well, I think it comes back to that pot case in point that you've got to kind of make a little bit of um, balances to some extent as into what you truly want to, to do to be successful. But okay, if you've got a family, as you do, you've got to be able to make time for them, obviously, or you'll possibly regret it down the line or why didn't I spend more time yeah. with my kids when I was younger? So it's kind of kind of finding that massive balance between the two as to, okay, I think one of the podcast guests I had brings up a good point. We've got, you've got to make, you've got to make money to a certain extent to, uh, to survive. Okay. It's not how I believe, believe it. Okay. It's not the, to a certain extent, not the end. Um, not the end of the world. If you don't have a lot of money, or some people perceive it as both good and bad. Okay, you, 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 you. He said you need it, obviously, for all other things. Okay, but it's at a detrimental effect to some other things in life. Some sometimes. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, this comes into what do you need. And what do you want? Two different different things financially, and um, what you need to be happy it could be very different from someone else based on obviously your situation and and what you feel you need to have us you know have a happy life. Um, you know, some people need a lot of things they think, and other people don't need a lot. You know, and again, based on where you live or where you want to live, you know the 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 money you need to thrive or survive as it's been mentioned is very different from someone who lives in central london or who lives in northern michigan or who lives in you know somewhere out of a big city obviously that's why a lot of people sometimes and i had a lot of friends that it didn't really seem in their heads it wasn't a choice they had to work in central london because that's where the money was um but again that's where the money is to so you can survive to live in central london or close to it whereas okay change your mindset if that was the only reason you was going there how about you earn less but you make more or you keep more because you're not living in central london or you know so that's thing people are sometimes focused on the generic okay you earn x amount well, let's look at the details then okay where do you live well you need x amount to live there mm-hmm. so. so we go back a bit adam and um talk <laughs> about how you originally uh well could say how our our paths crossed but if we go further back than that and so you can say how you originally got your um injury 
Yeah. Okay. So part of the intro on my uh, short intro on my um, podcast, you know, former teacher and athlete. So I was a pole vaulter, and the t- again lifestyle. Yeah, you, you're not going to earn tons of money as a teacher, but it kind of goes with the lifestyle. You get the summers off, and I was an athlete, so semi-pro at best, I say, because there's zero money in athletics. That's not why I did it. Um, but it, you get the summers off, which is when obviously when I'm competing. So it, it matches out when I need to step up the competing. That's when work stopped. Basically, um, I was I had a nice work life balance in terms of teachers always talk about marking and doing things outside of school hours. And oh, and yeah, you can do that. But if you're, you know, if you turn your shoulds into musts, as in, oh, I shouldn't really do this marking at home or I shouldn't work on weekends. For me, that was a must. I, I, I didn't do work at home when I was a teacher because yeah I've got other priorities so it's just you you choose mentally what are your priorities if you have a rule you don't mark at home well you don't mark at home you can stay at work a little bit later get something done but I didn't bring it home with me generally um so in the summers I'd compete um and yeah that took me up to 2008 um I was having my best year I was going to say ever yeah it'd been a while I had lots of injuries to to get to that point I hadn't had a personal best since I was 21 I was like about 28 um and I finally got over injuries had operations kind of settled coming back um was just starting to get to some of my potential got a lifetime personal best that year come third in the Irish Olympic trials was just starting to get going that's how it felt and then I had um I squeaked into the UK challenge final top 10 in the UK at the time I managed to get in there I was the underdog, so I was bang up for it, and uh, I came fourth. I was going for that medal. Um, it was in horizontal rain. Um, there was the run-up wasn't organised properly, or it was it wasn't draining the water, so you was um, taken off in a big puddle. And I got a bit close, slipped on takeoff, and dislocated my knee, tore the ACL, and um, tore the meniscus cartilage off my bone, and bruised the bone ends, and basically game over. Was screwed. Took a while to realise how screwed I was. Um, but, uh, yeah, two years, three operations officially screwed, um, from pole vaulting. Um, and again, it's all about perspective, the mindset when that's your life, that is not good. But at the end of the day, walking around and doing anything else, once I've been through that couple of years, apart from pole vault, there's pretty much, I could do most other things. Um, and then obviously it was in that period, I think 2009, because my background was obviously athletics to a high level and a bit of basketball. I got invited to a Paralympic potential day um, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I came along um, just for the experience and then I've always loved volleyball as well, but I haven't really done too much of it Um, and I had a little go at it and I was quite good at it and got invited to like a GB training weekend and then it went from there and that's probably, I met you probably around that time. Um, and then I was kind of in and out of the, the Paralympic team in the run-up to 2012. Um, and again, it's something I was only, a, only not a bad thing, but I was a minimal disability athlete because of, as I said, on the surface, it wasn't like I had a, a huge disability, but my, my knee had literally no cartilage in it. Um, and there's a couple of players like that. Um, and there's only two spots on court for that at any time. So it... it like anything, it's a, it's a long shot to get to the Paralympics or the Olympics. Um, and in it's compared for every place. But in, in the terms of minimal disability, it was, I think, 
we agreed like one of if not our best player was a minimal disability player in terms of he'd been great britain captain for like 20 years standing volleyball um he was legit and that's that's you was literally one spot probably for me and uh yeah there was in the end it came down to kind of two years was going to be kind of professional in the term of what you was doing for 2012, but not professional in terms of you weren't going to get, you weren't going to get any money to survive. You'd have had to do something um, around that and make it work. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what we were talking about before the interview as well. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I stepped away from that, I think 2010 um, and uh, moved, well, turned my attention more and more to business and what I was up to because I could control that. And I, in the, uh, the Paralympic volleyball, Although I was obsessed with getting to the Olympics or the Paralympics, I had to be aware that the situation, no matter how hard I trained or how good I became, there wasn't going to be a spot for me. And that's what I believed. And um, even though this goes out, the coach was not my cup of tea in terms of our mindsets and how we approached high performance sport. So little things like that, it kind of, I had to make the tough call and um, step away from it even though I would really have uh, wanted to go to the Olympics or Paralympics. Um, so it, I, I watched from the sidelines. So talk to me a little bit more about that mindset you had, obviously, when you were an injured athlete, but then going on to de- having to deal with um, probably being in and out of the squad in uh, the volleyball sense. Yeah, that was, as I say, that was really tough because I'm someone who, you know, I do believe you take responsibility for everything you, you do. And even in that scenario, I, and I do think you can achieve anything. There are sometimes, you know, the sacrifice of things. Are you willing? And this is, I literally asked myself that question with like, what, 18 months or two years, probably 18 months or two years to get to 2012. Was I willing to sacrifice? I had a newborn. Was I willing to sacrifice what I knew it would take? to then get the chance to be in the Paralympics. And I mean the chance because there was a very realistic chance that I would have sacrificed two years solidly and a huge amount. I could just clock up the hours weekly of when I was traveling into London or Roehampton to train how much I was missing out. And I think that was the, the key thing for me. If I didn't have a kid, probably I might have I might have rolled the dice a little bit longer. But when regularly when I'm going into London thinking it didn't feel right that I'm missing out on, you know, putting my son to bed or things a lot of time. But ultimately what was, it's like anything, everyone's decision is always based on their, what they, their perceived rewards. What are you willing to sacrifice for what reward? And I, I was quite confident at that stage that the sacrifice to most likely not get into the Paralympics to be kind of, in the training camp and then when the uh, as I'd experienced when the key competitions came round or the championships came round or the Paralympics came round be dropped from the squad because of the minimal disability aspect and because of um, players that were in better favour with the coach I think or vice versa um, and that was the other thing if the the, the the train aspect had been a bit more enjoyable from a sense of, I liked the toughness of all the drills. I loved all that. I enjoyed that from just a sense of the um, the approach it was taken to it in terms of 
where, where as I said, I, when I saw there was opportunity for fun or fun was even naturally going down, I feel like sometimes the fun was unnecessarily sucked out of the room just because that's your style, which is fair enough. Stick to your guns, but it's not my style. Would you would you say it was the coaching style was to a certain extent old school then? I'd say it was bad because I, I wouldn't want to. There's nothing wrong with old school in the right situation. I would say I've been around a lot of coaches. I've been coaching myself for years, even at, at that point as well. I've seen coaches from all over the world. I've seen all sorts, and that was probably the worst coach from that side of things I've ever come across and um yeah at that high at that high level as well that's what shocked me and also it just I think from my experience again it's, it's only my opinion which is all I got a different coach or a different approach could have got so much more out of that team and I know his volleyball knowledge is top-notch not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his coaching is in terms of getting the most out of players in terms of they shouldn't at that level. Yeah, I get you don't need to motivate players, but you know, you, you don't need to demotivate them as well. Well, that's a good analogy you bring up, but uh, probably a case in point if we use football as the example, shouldn't some of the owners come back to the players and shouldn't they take um, some of the, onus on themselves to perform yeah 100% but again this is my perspective if you're creating a negative unpleasant environment consistently which ultimately is as you you were there which is it's not like the old thing it would have been your life I'm not going to hang around that no matter what carrot is dangled at the end of the tunnel I think with me it was probably well, probably most people to listen to this can probably judge I'm fairly laid back, very individual. Yeah, you, you again, yeah, you handled it very well. And that's the thing, it's you handled it very well. And um, as I say, I I think as well, in your position, I would have done exactly the same because your situation was very different. You've been in the team a little bit longer. And, you know, you, as we said, I think you... It would have been a surprise if you didn't make the, the the games. You kind of you were you were in the mix. You had a real real chance. Like you said as well, you're worried about the the injuries, and you found out that he'd kind of he said to you afterwards that they'd pick the team a year out. Um, and I I felt like that, and we talked about. It, I felt like he'd pick the team a solid year out, and even before that, two years out, he probably had a very good idea. And like you say, it was very um, once he kind of got things set in his mind in in a good way. He knew what he wanted. But also, if there was potential for other things, uh, he knew what he wanted. And if he didn't want that, or if he didn't fit the mould, um, then it probably wasn't going to happen. Um, so, yeah. But I can I can see where you're saying he, he picked the team a year out um, from a performance standpoint. But for me, probably more on a, an emotional standpoint, which in, in sport it's... As you as you know, it's it's cut it's cutthroat anyway. It's yeah. When 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 you're told after the event the events happen, <laughs> oh, I've just I've yeah. picked the team a year out. He's thinking for it's more. My mental state was kind of all over the place because you're thinking obviously with an injury, 
It's yep. all what ifs off. I can't get fit. Will I get picked? So you got obviously all this self doubt coming in. So it's like, well, if you just, I, I can see why you probably didn't say to the people on the fringes. Uh, yeah, because you don't want you to get complacent. You, you you're you're going to get yeah. complacent. You're going to back off. Okay, you to fight for your place, big time. And yeah. if he'd have told someone you're in, then he probably would have regretted that because they they might like in a few months down the line they might have you know they might have approached things slightly differently. And he, he obviously wanted you to be hungry and fighting for the places, but he kind of he probably had, like you said, it had in his head this is the team so long as they're you know healthy and they they mentally stay on it or they get through kind of like the hoops he was making you jump, and that that was probably part of it why I. You know, probably the way he approached things and his ruthless nature and, you know, the, the environment he created. If you decide to walk away, that's probably what it was after because it obviously it thinned the herd for him a little bit. So it's kind of the people who are left were the right people for that team. Oh, yeah. But then it's because it, if you choose to go. As opposed to him having to make the hard decisions, it's it's to some extent easier because he's not had to make the hard decision. But then it's each person... Natural selection, though. <laughs> oh, to a certain yeah. extent, but people leaving on their, on their own accord, where each person's going to have their own individual circumstance as to why yeah. enough is enough. Okay, I can't, we can't speak for any of the other individuals that fell by the wayside, but yeah. it, if they walk... If they walk it's it's their decision. The coach has no bearing on it. Okay, it's probably wouldn't make, really if you walked away or if you were cut at the last minute. It probably would still make no difference because you're going to still have. But well, I'm probably trying not to put words in your mouth, but some regret <laughs> to some degree of not being able to compete oh, I, at the higher level at that highest level. Oh yeah, yeah. I I uh, I I know what you're saying. Uh. I think about looking into it, but I made the right call for me at the time. Um, and even we was talking about, you know, who actually made the squad and like last minute things of someone getting injured and then potentially someone we thought might not have made the squad got in the squad. Um, and that that could have been me in theory. Um, but then, like you said, to, to do all that, to, you know, sit in the stands or be in the squad, but not actually get playing, playing time. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and would I have felt differently? And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have any regrets because you know you can't you can't anticipate that and you can't I don't know if, even for me because I knew that was what was at stake basically I was having to do all that and then kind of bank on the fact that someone was going to get injured <laughs> or drop out as opposed to me taking the spot and I didn't want to you know I didn't there wasn't enough control for me if I thought it was a legit fair chance for me to you know train hard compete against everyone in the squad to get a place, I would have definitely done it. But, and this is not a bad thing, because I was a minimal disability, it was not an even playing field, which is, a, talking about mindset, that was a very weird situation to be in. in any other squad or comp- or anything I've been in, you know, it, those in the room were trying to get in the team, it's a level playing field. And uh, it wasn't, as I say, it's, it, was, it was very, it was, that was quite a weird thing. And it's, if you get sucked into that, you think it, you think as the negative, but I didn't think you had to get perspective. No, that's not a negative because the positive is I'm only minimal disability, which, you know, if once you get outside of the sitting volleyball world and Paralympic world, that's a, that, that, take that as a positive. I don't think most people would see that as a negative. Uh, but in that, when you get sucked in into such an intensive 
training all the time and trying to get the squad, you know, you think, well, oh, gosh, if I just lopped off of a chopped off a leg, you'd be good to go. But that, and that's and that's and that's when you realise you've lost the plot. You've, you've lost perspective. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't even be that much though. You'd probably just have to no, chop off the, an- at the ankle, you... and that'd be about it. Hey, I know because I I thought about this, and that's when you think you've lost the plot. I don't think we talk about the reward of sacrifice. That is not that. If you start considering that, you, you you're crazy. And you know, realistically that sacrifice is not worth the reward. Um, so <laughs> so I, as when I walked away, I, that was a thick, tough thing mentally to get, get my head round. Once I got my head round that and walked away, I had to take it the perspective, actually, I'm happy I don't qualify for the full team, as it were. Because if I did qualify for the full team, that would mean that I, you know, I had another, a bigger physical limitation than I have now, which I, I think I'm quite lucky in terms of, apart from pole vaulting, I, 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 and yeah, and a few other things. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm all good to go generally. But I think that's one thing you touched upon. Would it being quite, uh, how would I put it? Um, well, the easier way of probably putting it would be obviously with classification. That's yeah, the problem with. <laughs> disability sport anyways you're kind of put into brackets anyway whereas when you talk about everybody's on a level playing field you talk about it from a probably able-bodied perspective whereas if everybody's got the same talent it's uh work, work rate's gonna be the determining yeah. factor whereas with that there's so many hurdles you've got to yeah overcome and that's that's what i mean that's probably the biggest mental struggle within this scenario and this sort of area you're talking about for me was that it you know that was out of my control in a certain sense yeah i could fight for the the literally the one spot for um the on the team for the minimal disability and i did um and i thought you know you're doing really well in training um and you think you got certain things and then when an actual competition as opposed to like you're going to sit in the stands an actual competition i think it was the world championships in egypt i got the call and obviously i got dropped bins because yeah it's good for training and training games but when it comes to competition then you only have the two spots on court for minimal disability one is a is a dead cert as we talked about and uh, and i could if i was picking the team 100% agree with that um and it's are you willing to basically be training fodder, you know, do all the hard work that everyone is going to be doing and then literally not get to perform or not get the result kind of guaranteed in a certain way. Um, so that was kind of the decision. Is that worth the sacrifice? And that was kind of how I saw it in a, in a certain way. But yeah, the, the, the classification thing is, is needed because obviously it, it, it's trying to level the playing field within Paralympic sport or disability sport in some ways. The- for that one, Adam, it's probably one of the, uh, well, put it in a nice way, it's probably the easiest one and to some extent um, possibly doesn't go in a, as great a, how would I put it, um, depth as it probably could do in relation to mm. some of the other ones. Probably if we, yeah, we, yeah. we exclude, say, swimming and athletics where... To a certain degree, or probably athletics more so, which probably has a bit too many classifications. Yeah, <laughs> hey, this is this would be your area of expertise. I don't know a lot about this, so, but I, I know what you're saying. But and also, 
that's the thing. Once you all get on the floor, as you know, it's irrelevant to a certain extent if you've got like a toe missing, a foot missing, a leg missing. It's all about skills and speed and movement and volleyball skills. And so once you're on the floor, like we never saw it when we're training. We, well, I never saw it as like, you just don't know. You never see someone as minimal disability or disability. It's like the volleyball team, and like you can't tell who's who. Oh, <laughs> a mate's just calling me. I haven't spoken. Is my best man for my wedding just called? And um, I'm gonna call up. Hang up with me. He's, he's in California now. I haven't spoken to him for a while, so <laughs> he can wait. So uh, yeah, as I was saying, that's. That's the thing. Like we, when we're in training, we're not thinking about, oh, he's good for a minimal disability, or he's good for bearing in mind he's got missing a foot, or he's good bearing in mind he's listening. I, I don't know half of people's disabilities in there. Obviously, if it's a visual obvious one, it's a bit easier. But you know, someone has to tell me, oh no, I'm only MD, minimal disability, or I'm the the full full thing. I didn't know until you have to ask or mm. they have to tell you. So. And now talking about the other mental, because this is like the mental kind of uh, side we're talking about of, of all things around this aspect. I I can handle it, but geez, it's so annoying having ignorant people coming up to me. Why are you in the para or like why are you in the Paralympic <laughs> volleyball team? You're not disabled. No, no, that's that's even being polite about it. I got people coming up to me, and one sticks in the mind. And I'm not a violent man, but this was tough to take repeatedly from uh, somebody just why are you in the sitting volleyball team you're not in a wheelchair and bear in mind i'm trying to think on the volleyball team who was in a wheelchair i, I don't think i ever saw There's a wheelchair out. I don't not, people... not in the men's team. there you go there you go and so imagine dealing with this and this is so again and this is after so kind of like kind of just like palming off yeah you're you're you know kind of you're intelligent yeah thanks for thanks for your opinion she came back round. I think she had had a few drinks and, you know, it's like banging your head against a brick wall. And I'm just like, this was not an isolated incident. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, that's when you need the mindset to rise above it. But I'm just like, whew, it's probably that frustrating. Mis- it's probably that misconception of the, the word to start with, sitting. And I think yeah. I've been asked, I'm going to say a fair few times, as is it in a wheelchair? No, that's the only one that's not of the, of the mm. uh, wheelchair variety ones. But then those ones do have the connotation of wheelchair in their title. So, yeah, but this probably yeah. comes back to them. They probably probably could have picked a more jazzier name. <laughs> but I think well, I think it's Paravalli now. Hey, but people, some people are stupid. Let's not mess around. That she would have got this person would have got confused by whatever was said. You know, or just rude. Some people are rude. Like she would have come up to anyone in the volleyball team who was standing there, like minding their own business, and come up to you and gone, "What's wrong with you? Why are you in the team? You're not disabled." And you'd have just been like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you'd have had to deal with that. And that's, you know, and that yeah. I would say that happened quite a bit. So that's, probably, uh, that's another thing. I was just like, with you most, can handle it, but again, it's, probably yeah. with most of the. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there anybody would uh, arm uh, arm impairment. Uh, I mean, no, this is so, a complete so even, side even topic. With, even with even with trousers, if, you could t- with my walking gate. Yeah. If I was walking, you could tell that I've got a 
Yeah, it's something standing, wrong with this me, is the thing. But standing around, people want to nice. Try. People want to put you in their boxes. If you're in any kind of Paralympic team, they want to see you know. For someone of her mindset, she wants to see you in a wheelchair, or she wants to visibly see a missing leg or something, or a missing arm. You know, that's that was the kind of the level she was thinking at. If you're standing there looking normal-ish, and what's normal to, in her mind, you you don't qualify. So, yeah. And again, do you want to get into a conversation trying to explain these things with that sort of person? No. <laughs> it's you're fighting a losing battle there. So anyway, let's move on. <laughs> What's going well, on? Well, we t- well, you touched upon a good point yeah. there with um, yeah. that misconception of people uh, from the outside world. It's probably that one. Oh, I don't know if you got asked that later on in, in your career, uh, but I got, obviously, having competed at two Paralympics, you get a lot of the time you get asked, um, why is this person in this classification in this sport? So we'll use athletics again as the example. It's like I couldn't answer I can't answer that question because it's the, the <laughs> complexity of the, the disability classification system. Yeah. But that's what I mean, it's not yours to, to the next. That's not your job as well. That's what the other thing that like the way I was approached a few times was like I selected my classification or I, I, I don't know, I wangled my way in. Like, I got invited to this. I had no idea. They said, oh, you qualify for this. And I'm like, really? Okay, it's up to you. Like, there's doctors and there's classification. That's all they do. They classify it. It's not up to athletes to say, I think I'm this classification. What do you think? It's like, you are what you are. They make the call and they tell you what you can and can't do. Whether there's two spots for you, like you're legit. But, or there's certain, there's like within that, Clearly, there were certain things they said to me. Obviously, you don't qualify for that in any shape or form. And I was like, that makes sense to me. Why would I? And then they're like, oh, you can do this. And I'm like, really? Can I? It's up to you. Okay. And that's sometimes people kind of thought it was like, you know, you say like, you've got nothing to do with your classification. Like, and they can change the classifications. Or they can tweak them. It's up, to, it's up to them. And there's a whole organization and organizations that that's all they do, as there should be. Because it's, you know, it's up to you to do what you can do with what what you got. So, Adam, talk to me about uh, being featured on ESPN, and obviously for the American viewers, we'll obviously know what that is. Um, <laughs> what did you actually talk to, about, talk to them about on the show? Cool. So this is really, I'd say, after all the... Uh, like, to be on ESPN would have been very cool when I was actively doing sports. <laughs> so all these years, and then... I stopped doing that, obviously. I've got my podcast. So um, I was actually interviewed on ESPN and How to Awaken Your Alpha, or basically the, the podcast, my my take on what that means. And it is, it's a, it's a mental thing. It's a mindset thing. Um, and then that has spun, obviously, spun off onto being interviewed by ESPN, a TED Talk, um, and many other things um, around that. That's kind of, kind of my thing. And, yeah, and Awaken Your Alpha is is a mindset and it's it's really how do you do that daily and what does it what does it mean to you because it means something slightly different to everyone um but it's you know we talked about at the start of the show like areas that you hold importance to you and where you want to go don't just look at them or hope or apply the uh, the secret principles of just hoping for it you know what are you gonna do or what are your daily actions now and where do you want to go if they don't match up if that's not the sort of thing that the person uh, you know where your vision where you want to go if your daily actions don't match up to a person who is either you know a ted speaker or a, 
a podcaster or a whatever it is you want to do, then you've got to change them daily actions, not when you become what you want to be or where you want to go, but now you've got to change the daily actions and you know make sure every step you take from this point, because whatever you've done before, whatever, basically, uh, <laughs> take make sure every step from this point is a step in that direction. It's either I'm moving away from it or it's in the direction. You know, it's it standing still is is not life. It's you know you're either growing or you're dying. It's so it's that simple, and that's 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 my whole thing, really. So uh, the last question I'd like to ask you is to kind of touch upon that point you just raised. Why? What was the deciding factor to move from the UK and obviously move to the US? Cool. So linked to that as well. So. You, if you took, think of like what's your ideal life or what is your vision or what if you look at yourself in a year in the future or even longer term goals like Olympics highly like four year goals or even seven year goals six year goals um, my goal is always to move to the states um, again it was just, it was just where I wanted to go I've been over it quite a bit and I I enjoy the mental side of things over it as well um, in terms of how I'm received and also just the the mental side of things in terms of you know the general miscon not misconception the general attitude is ah oh, Americans are so positive obviously there's there's a lot of Americans who aren't but when you come across you know it's like the the generalization that all English people talk about or not talk moan about the weather and uh, all well, Americans that's, are like that's a generalization though isn't it both okay. uh, yes I, exactly I, exactly I, I think I won't say all Americans uh, I'll say a few then they're a bit more than positive i think you're thinking what, what <laughs> yeah, have you taken today happy, to be out yeah. so happy yeah, exactly <laughs> but this is this is my point yeah so the generalization that all english are a bit you know a bit pessimistic moan about the weather and all americans are like woohoo good job so within that um physical and actual reality of experience from my experience the the general um I have a better experience on that in terms of not in theory as in reality I've found quite a lot of that as a general rule obviously there's massive exceptions to the rule but again on uh, just ratios and numbers I I I've, I enjoyed that side and also this is this is good or bad this is what my vision I wanted to do this is I wanted to move across here live here try it you know and and that's that cuz they're talking about not having regrets um and Link back to my thing about I knew I was doing certain things to tee this up. Um, I knew certain actions were not going to get me there. And ultimately, in terms of quitting my job when I didn't have to, when it was quite cushy, it was I enjoyed it again. So it's not about having to. Um, I enjoyed aspects of it, I should say. <laughs> um, I, I could have it was very easy to continue doing that. Um, but I looked at, I literally did that thing, right, if this is where I want to be in, it got to like a year or 18 months out from, I set a deadline, that's the other important thing, set a deadline, otherwise, yeah, you'll always get around to it, and but that always, who knows when it's going to come, so set a deadline, it was about 18 months or a year out from when I was going to move to the States, that, because I've decided, um, and then I was like, well, what I'm doing today, is that going to help me when I'm over there or get to there? Simple answer was no. So even though it was helping me now, or it's what I need to do now, so I took the call and I quit my job and uh, started doing the actions of someone who's living in northern Michigan, 
um, speaking to you uh, from my man cave studio. I started taking them actions in England, in South London, and only did things, transition slightly, but basically only lent towards or actively pursued things that I could do in the middle of nowhere on the lake in northern Michigan. So I struggled then before I had to. So I could have either just buried my head in the sand, moved across to America and gone, what the hell am I doing now? Um, and I would have had another reasonable year teaching, coaching basketball at the college. I was part-time, so I was still doing um, sort of these sort of entrepreneurial things at the same time. But I was a part-timer in both. So I preferred to do the hard yards. I'm still doing the hard yards, but I mean do the hard yards in terms of getting the the career side of what I was doing or my daily life organized before I came across as opposed to moving country then sorting out what the hell am I going to do and all the other things at the same time if you can obviously break that down if I could transition across so once I moved across it made no change really to what I was doing um, in terms of you know what I was doing basically it just obviously changed the location um, and yeah so it, it just helped so that was it's about doing doing the daily actions of who you want to become or who you want to or where you want to go, start doing them daily actions now. And if, if certain things, if you think that that person you want to become, whether it might not change your physical location, or it might not change your job, your career, but just who you want to become. If that person would not do things you're doing today, don't do them. If you genuinely want to become, and again, that's the other thing. If the, if the will is great enough, you will do it. If it's not, if you're like, oh, I wouldn't mind being that guy or doing that, well, if you wouldn't mind, you wouldn't mind not doing it either. So you've got to, you've got to want it, and you've got to be clear about that. So that's 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 kind of how I'd leave it <laughs> on that sense. And again, there's no right or wrong. There's in terms of if you don't want that, then you're gonna want. Everyone wants something. So whatever that is for you, you know, everyone wants to. If they're being honest and they think about it, take the time. Everyone wants to um, better themselves in some way, shape, or form. And the last question before we wrap it up. If you had to summarize this podcast into one sentence for somebody to take it home, what would that be? Your podcast or my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> my po- as in to, to for, for take away from this podcast. <laughs> what we talked about, kind of. So this yeah. is is this the teaser trailer? Whoa, we've talked about a lot, haven't we? Okay, <laughs> okay. I <laughs> stumped you there. Right. <laughs> No, I'm just thinking, we've talked about so long. We've been, I mean, before the interview, what's the time on this? We've been on about an hour and a half. <laughs> just cause it's been fun. But okay, I wish, if I'd have known, you, I could have jotted down some of the key points and then I would have just reeled them off. So, listening to this week, if you, <laughs> can you recap some of the things? So we've talked about, oh, when the interview started, we talked about so much, blimey. We've talked a lot though, I suppose, in the interview, we talked a lot about the mental side around getting well, getting cut for a team, um, trying to, com- you know, trying to compete, I suppose, and get selected in in an environment that's not ideal, that's not perfect, which is basically good because it's like life, you know. If some, if the gatekeeper to your success is an idiot, then you either choose another gate or you just accept that as that is the reality. Don't use that as an excuse, and you work with that, and you, you know, you, it's still your responsibility. You can't say, oh, it's this person because oh, they were an idiot or they weren't a very good coach. or they. If you want to get it, then that's one of the challenges. It's much like you, if you've got to get fit for it, that's the challenge. If you've got to work with someone who you're, 
you don't relate to or your mindset doesn't match up. That's the challenge. Um, so stop making excuses. If you listen to this podcast, we're going to talk about all these issues around potential excuses. And also it comes down to sacrifice and reward. Are you willing to sacrifice what it takes for greatness to get to your ideal life or what you're after? And if you're not, there's nothing wrong with that because you you can always change your mind, but then be clear about what the sacrifice is needed for that vision and then work it out and then start taking daily actions to do that today. Something small today when you listen to this, even if that's make a plan of what you're going to do tomorrow, but one of them things is make the plan today and even do one of them things today, which is make the plan then start tomorrow. Don't make this huge list and don't make this thing of, oh, I'm going to go and do something huge. Oh, that's quite a big task. I'll leave that for a couple of weeks or a month maybe. I'll be ready then. No, do something today small and then do something else tomorrow. Get momentum and then just head in the direction you choose because it's your life and make it happen. I think that's a great case in point, Adam. So once <laughs> again, Adam, thanks for coming on the show. That's all right. That's all right. If anyone wants to hear more, head over to www.ayalpha.com. Awaken Your Alpha on iTunes, Adam Lewis Walker, Facebook, and uh, Awaken Your Alpha on Facebook. All the usuals and LinkedIn. There's uh, easy links. Connect with me by all and any means if you enjoyed this um, episode with my main man here. And uh, you can even catch his episode back in the day, uh, a couple of years back, where we dug into his journey, which was very cool also. So once again, Adam, thanks for coming on the show. And before I forget, if you wanted to see the video version of this podcast, just type in Mindset Game TV on YouTube and it should come up. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.